Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 95. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at BJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Gordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Hey, John, I am fine and dandy. We're both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Awesome, Nick. Hey, so uh, this week we're going to be talking about team transitions, right? The kind of dynamics that happen on a team when somebody leaves the team. Yep, you got it. So let's just share a brief outline and then we'll get to it. How does that sound? Sounds great. So the first thing we'll talk about are some scenarios, the ways in different, the different ways in which you can lose a teammate, the effects on the team, some effects on the manager, or things to keep in mind as you work with your manager, how you can help the team or the manager, and then how to keep in touch with that teammate after they're gone. So if we just jump right in, John. Awesome, yeah. Like, let's uh, keep in mind where we'll try to weave in, you know, kind of consciousness about your career and progression of your career, since that's, you know, our podcast theme. So we'll keep on doing that. So scenarios for losing a teammate, right? Yep. So the first one we listed was positive attrition. So something has come up within the company or some kind of role that's interesting to the person and they've decided to take it. They they had an opportunity they couldn't pass up, some sort of lateral move or promotion within the same organization. Right. And that, you know, definitely happens all the time, especially in in organizations which prize progression and people are working hard to to move up, right? Or maybe in larger organizations where you know, there's a lot of lateral movement and maybe people move around the country or, you know, get interested in different types of roles. So definitely something that happens. Um, and then the, the next thing is negative attrition, right? Like the person actually leaves the company. Like they decide that they don't want to be with the company anymore. Maybe they got an outside offer. Maybe, you know, the company decided that they uh, didn't need the person, you know, any number of scenarios there. But you know, ultimately the person is leaving the team because they're completely leaving the company. Right. And I guess termination would fall into this too. Yep, certainly. And then there's the neutral case, a reorganization. This would be a scenario where you and or your, you know, teammates may be totally different. You could have a totally new team. For example, you know, I've been through this. I had to transition to a new boss, new team. Everything was, was new. I didn't really have any control over it. That's just the way it was. And this this is probably more frequent in the larger organization, I would say, than the smaller. Sure, yeah. And then sometimes it's just, you know, the company changes focus, and so they need to move some people from some types of roles over to different types of roles, you know, or uh, away from a vertical focus maybe that they are no longer focusing on or away from a geography that they're no longer focusing on. So, yeah, that kind of thing can happen. Uh, 
hopefully not frequently, but it certainly does happen. Yeah. So let's, you know, as kind of our first major area, talk about the possible effects on the team, right? And the, the first thing that, that can happen that, you know, obviously people immediately start to w wonder is, is the person going to be backfilled, right? Is the person, is that role and the, the, the job going to be maintained on the team and a new person found to fill the position? Um, you know, there's definitely going to be an effect of morale, right? Uh, so maybe one of the questions that you can ask yourself is, what can you do to take increased ownership of higher or maintaining morale, right? It's, it's tough to say, oh, we lost a person, no, we're, we're doing better than ever. But it certainly is, you know, something that you can do as part of the team to say, hey, you know, this isn't a terrible thing, you know, either we're happy for the person and for the opportunity that they got, obviously, in the short term, you know, we're going to face like an increased workload or however that's going to shake out. But, you know, we're doing great, you know, as a team, we're getting people promoted, maybe that's like, you know, a positive spin that you can put on things. And we're, we're all progressing as individuals. Um, you know, at, at any rate, you know, as part of your um, growth as a stronger person within the organization who has increased scope and increased scale within the organization, taking increased ownership of the morale of the team is definitely something that you can do. Sure. And that's going to be a greater challenge if this person's departure was sudden and you had little to no notice about it. One day they're just gone. That, yeah. that makes it a little more challenging, but still there's going to be an opportunity to help with the morale yeah. uh, and the rest of the folks still there. Yeah, it's, it's, sorry to interrupt. It's just like, you know, one of the issues that you have to, you know, be concerned about. And, you know, I'm sure if anybody who's ever been in this situation, you know, they've probably run into this is like, well, is this going to be an opportunity for the organization to just not fill the position and just say, oh, you guys just be more productive and do more work, you know? And, and so, you know, that's a negative thought that can creep into any team. So it's just something to watch out for. And, you know, like I said, it's an opportunity to kind of, you know, combat the, the lowering of morale. Sure. Sorry, I interrupted you, though. No, you're fine. That's that's a great point. I completely agree. You know, if you if you never listened to the Data Knots podcast, go back and listen to the one about the transformational CIO with Tim Crawford, because he makes the point in that podcast. And I don't know if every CIO thinks this way. But he basically says, if I lose the headcount and don't replace it, I'm never going to get that headcount back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's definitely fight a fight there that's happening, right? <laughs> yeah. And you, you may or may not see any of that that affects right. your manager and the chain above. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure that some of the pressure comes down and affects the team morale. Speaking of pressure, you know, a lot of people have a, have pressure put on them by an increased workload. You know, we have to fill the gap of this team member who is now moved on somewhere else. They had a workload, they had specific tasks that they completed, maybe specific customers that they serviced. So what is the expectation of the team going to be while we have this shortage? You know, it's not like we can put somebody in the seat tomorrow, most likely to fill the gap and they're going to be up to speed on all the processes, procedures, strategies that we as a team use to do our different jobs. 
Yeah, and even if they were, there's, there's, you know, like, like you said, even if you could sit somebody there in that seat right away, like the ramp up is takes time. And there's probably even if you could evenly re redistribute that work among all the people on the team, and everybody has time for it, there's still ramp up, right, for the specific responsibilities that that person was taking on that are maybe unique to that person's position compared to what other people are doing on the team. So there's always, you know, going to be overhead, <laughs> no matter how, how that shakes out. 100%. What about vacations, John? How am I going to know if I can take a vacation now that we're short staffed to provide uh, what we would consider normal coverage? Yeah, very good point. Say you're on a three person IT team, right? Where, um, each one of you is working eight hours and then somebody leaves. Now there's two of you working 12 hours like that. That first of all is difficult to sustain. And then what if one of you had a planned vacation coming up, you know, how, how's that going to work? Yeah. And in the pre COVID times, what if it was a vacation completely out of the country with no access to phone or internet yeah. cruise yeah. ship, for example? Sure. Yeah. That's, that's something people are going to start to wonder about. And then maybe this is a chance to take on more advanced work and grow yourself a little bit. Yeah. If you're trying to move forward in your career and like I said, increase the scope and scale of your role, then taking on additional work, you know, now that there is more work to, to be had, you know, if you're, you know, front and center saying, Hey, you know, I, you know, this, you know, slightly more advanced project than what I usually work on is now, you know, needs to be covered, you know, can I, is that something that I can take on? Right. And, and by being there ready to, to speak up for those kinds of things and say, how can I help? Could I do this? Could I do this? Could I do this? You know, you're kind of putting yourself, you know, right on that path of, of progression. And maybe it's progressing into a more senior role just by the nature of picking up the slack. Yeah, exactly. And that way, you know, if the role is going to be backfilled, the manager can hire somebody less senior. Right. While you kind of move into that senior role. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. All right. And of course this, there's that special case, right? If you have a really small team that I kind of hinted at, you know, what happens if, you know, it was just two of you and now it's just you, you know, uh, that's, that's even worse than like, what if there were three of you and now it's two, um, that that's a, you know, disastrous can be all kinds of additional overhead that, that goes along with that. Um, but I think it kind of speaks to one of the things that we need when we work on small teams is, you know, excellent communication between teammates having like a run book and a playbook and a, a knowledge base, um, documentation on, you know, what processes are done, you know, so that the other person can do them. Like, you know, if you're on a really small team, hopefully you already had that in place or else neither of you could take a vacation. Um, but you know, it's just something to keep in mind, you know, also all the additional cross training that we've kind of talked about in past episodes, you know, do you have people cross trained on other teams and, if not, then maybe this is, this is the time to pitch that, you know, <laughs> now that you're down to one person. Or just start doing it, which takes even more time, right? Yep. Yep. 
or time that you don't have. Exactly. Well, maybe we can uh, transition to thinking about what the effect on the manager is. And, and neither of us has been a manager of people or a leader, as Paul Green would suggest, um, you know, who's responsible for hiring and firing and performance management. Um, but I think our point in having this section is to kind of have people who are in this situation or thinking about what could happen and have a, maybe a playbook for what could happen, um, think about and have empathy for the manager and what's going on in the manager's job responsibility when something like this happens, right? So one of the things that the manager needs to do is focus on that hiring process or filling a gap or, you know, maybe even like uh, fighting for the headcount. Right. As we kind of alluded to, right. Oh, somebody left. You need to justify just even having that role and, and having the, the budget to, to pay a person for doing that. So, you know, when the managers in that situation, you know, they have to think about how this is going to affect the team. They have to think about team morale. They might have, you know, less time for um, that kind of culture, owning the culture on the team or helping to drive that culture forward, you know, having the ability to have more one-on-one -on -one time for employee relationships and making sure that that's going well. They have to worry about, you know, how quickly they can, you know, fill the role if if they manage to keep the budget and, and keep the headcount and, and get approval for a backfill. You know, do they have a bench of people that they've kind of, you know, kept in their mind, you know, either within the company or outside the company who, you know, they were thinking about bringing in and now is the right opportunity for them to start, you know, interviewing that bench. Um, that's kind of the, you know, all the, the different overhead that, you know, has to go on with the manager, you know, um, do they have to, you know, work with a recruiter? Like, is it completely dependent on their network? Do they even have like a, an official, you know, HR, like recruiter function, you know, sometimes in smaller organizations that that doesn't even exist, you know, it's, it's posting it on, you know, Monster and Dice and LinkedIn and, and wherever people find people for roles. So, you know, that you have to kind of have empathy for the manager, having that additional overhead on top of all the things that they were already doing. Right. So, um, you know, that, that can kind of run anybody ragged, you know, so the, the increased workload isn't just on the people doing the, the frontline work. I would also add to that, you know, if, if I'm a manager, this is probably one of those times where I should review my job descriptions carefully, because if the team hasn't grown in terms of number of seats or employees on the team, maybe this is a chance to hire somebody or hire a different type of role that you need because of changing business decisions, changing technologies that need to be implemented to support the business, a number of different things. But it could be an opportunity to get something different than you've been getting before. And that's going to take even more time, I'm afraid. That's a really good point. You know, maybe if you are thinking like the manager's thinking strategically and they see a shift in technology, like one of the things that they might be looking for is somebody with exposure to you know, the, the technology direction that they see the shift going towards. Um, and, and that, you know, you can generalize that to, to any kind of industry in any kind of role. Like, you know, it's like 
there's always shifts in skills and focuses and, you know, how, how do I perceive like, you know, the gaps on the team? Like, can how many of those gaps can I fill with people who are interested in growing and learning and how many can I fill with a new hire? You know, it's kind of that prime time to, to evaluate that. So, um, there's that interview process, right? Like that, <laughs> that, that additional workload that the manager like has like that, that's something that needs to, you know, we need to have empathy for too. Yeah. Because it still has to be done. You know, whether you're <laughs> pulling candidates from within or outside, you still want to do interviews, right? You still want to make sure you're getting the right candidate, the right team fit, the right technical or business alignment fit or both. Right. But to your point, you know, the workload of the manager is going to go up and they they may have to pick up a lot of the slack that that person is doing or at least help the other members of the team understand the parts that they're responsible for picking up, at least temporarily. Yeah, and that's on top of thinking about the backfill, right? Mm -hmm. So, man, it's a, it's a rough job. Being a frontline manager is a rough job in times of transition. So in that situation, I feel like, you know, the career opportunities are, you know, what can you do to help maybe jump in and, and take on additional tasks, right? Like we already talked about taking on, you know, more advanced projects. Well, is that something, you know, can you as an individual team member say, Hey, what can I do to help in that interview process? Right? Like, uh, you know, do you need me to do a tech screen? for somebody, you know, while, you know, you're, you're doing something else, right? So you want to, maybe the manager does one set of like more kind of strategic stylistic things. And then the individual contributors can do things like technical screens and, and people who are willing to jump in and do that, you know, generally that's, you know, again, it's kind of a growth leadership type of role. And maybe it's a good chance to, if this isn't already written, maybe help develop or improve the onboarding process for new employees on the team. Oh yeah. yeah, definitely. Definitely. Like, does the manager want any new team members to be paired up with somebody that's more senior and shadow them for two weeks and just go around the team so they can learn a little bit of everything? You know, what's that like today? I, I would venture to guess on small teams that don't grow that much. It's probably not written down. Right. There may not be anything formal, right. but it's, it's good to have that. Definitely. Definitely. So if the manager needs something or, you know, has like a, an outline and they want somebody on the team to kind of flesh it out, then that's, that's definitely another kind of leadership role or pitching in, you know, and increasing your scope and scale. Right. Um, and then <laughs> obviously one of the things the manager has to be thinking about is like, Hey, if they're not going to be able to replace the headcount, like what, what can they do to keep everybody else from quitting? Right. <laughs> or <laughs> maybe it's just not fair. Maybe, you know, morale is going to dip no matter what. And, you know, maybe this is a trend, you know, there's any number of things, but it's definitely one of the concerns that a manager has to have. And so you as an individual contributor, have to have empathy, you know, for them 
you know, if what you're trying to do is grow in that direction and understand what the manager's going through or grow in your leadership on the team and take more of a, a senior role and say, okay, you know, that's got to be a concern. What can I do to help with that? How about other ways you can help the team or the manager or yourself? Uh, one thing is make sure you're providing good candidates to your manager. You know, if you want to recommend someone that you feel is talented and a good fit for the role, give them somebody good. Give them somebody you think will do a good job. And if it's someone you don't know real well, you may need to vet that out a little bit. And, you know, I kind of feel like if you recommend someone to your manager and they don't work out or don't do a good job or don't turn out who you presented them to be, it's a pretty bad reflection on you for recommending. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely can be some blowback there. So, you know, obviously you can't just like put your entire reputation on the line and go out on a limb for somebody that you have no idea how they're actually going to act, you know, so you have to present candidates and be candid about how much you know about their work, right? Have you actually worked with them? Have you worked in concert with them on a project and been dependent on their work output, you know, for the quality and performance of your project? And, and if so, how did that go? If not, you know, what work product of theirs are you familiar with? You know, oh, this is just somebody I know, you know, socially, but I also read this person's blog and, you know, I'm really interested and, you know, I'm familiar with the, the technical output and have I, I've used some of it. Okay. Well, that's a little bit more familiarity than just knowing somebody socially and they happen to do this, this type of job, you know, so being able to just candidly present the person and say, here is, you know, how I know them, here's how well I, I know them, you know, that, you know, is a, you know, kind of, you know, really important, you know, context. Right. I think just recommending somebody and if they don't work out for whatever reason, maybe it's just a bad fit with the organization or the manager or the job or the role or, you know, whatever that is. So it's not 100 percent on you. So you just have to make sure that you're, you know, totally candid. I, I think that maybe something that we talked about earlier and how, you know, maybe one of the things a manager has to do is have a bench of people, of prospects, you know, that they can call up, you know, kind of like, you know, the, the sports analogy is like, oh, I, I have somebody in the minor leagues that I can call up and, and fill this role, right? While everybody else in the organization kind of moves up a step. Well, you know, you can take kind of a leadership position just by having that network as well, right? So your your extended network could be part of your value to the organization. Now, it's not something that you necessarily want to 100%, you know, you know, put fully behind the organization too, right? You have to vet the organization for these other people, right? Maybe this position is not a good fit for that person because that person that you happen to know is, is too senior, right? And, and they're going to be bored, and, you know, or it's not exactly their specialty. This is more of an infrastructure type of job and they're more of a security type of person and, and that's where their real you know love for the game lies right and they're they're going to be bored by infrastructure and not be interested in it at all well you know that that's something you have to keep in mind when you you know look at your network and and maybe when you curate your network right like um you just oh wow i need to i need to find more infrastructure people you know in case those opportunities come up 
you know, that I've networked with that I could recommend, you know, in the right situations. And, you know, that's obviously, that's not just for your organization, right? Because as you create and have that extended network, you know, other people in other organizations are just going to start coming to you and say, hey, do you know anybody? You know, we have, we're trying to fill this position. So um, that can be, you know, just an overall strength and um, something that raises your, your prominence um, in, the, uh, in the community of uh, workers, um, you know, filling that job. And maybe it raises your pay because there's a good referral bonus if that person works out. <laughs> right, right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put too much uh, emphasis on that. Like, uh, you don't want to become a recruiter. <laughs> but it no, is, it, no, it that's part nice of the bump. incentive at a lot of companies. Sure, sure, definitely. Um, so, you know, one of the other things that you need to think about when it comes to, you know, how can you help is how can you support your teammates, right? We already talked a little bit about morale, um, but you can you know, talk about and observe other people's attitudes and, and provide them one-on-one -on -one support, right? It doesn't have to always be in group settings, you know, um, but, you know, certainly in group settings, you can kind of set a tone of not just like unbridled optimism, but like, Hey, you know, there's, there's a potential here for us to do great things, you know, and shake things up and maybe, you know, get a great new person on the team and, and, you know, break us out of our, you know, kind of stale ways, you know, um, but at the same time, you know, if, if people are in a, in a tough situation and this is something that's just going to represent more work for them and, and they're feeling down about that, you have to have empathy for them and, and understand it and make sure that they feel heard, right? And not feel like they're told that they're feeling wrong. <laughs> like no, none of us likes that. Hey, you, you're just wrong in the way that you feel. That, that's that's not, a, not a good thing. And, and if you need to help them out with coverage, and, you know, take on additional workload, you know, in support of the team, and you're able to do that, or if you can, you know, arrange for that, if it's, you know, from somebody else, um, and, you know, maybe you start to act as the nexus for that type of thing, again, and it's an increase in scope and scale of your responsibilities and how you're acting within the team. And that's the type of thing that you can, you know, put on a promotion packet or, you know, work to justify, you know, you getting more pay or a raise or a more senior position in the future. Yeah, I was going to say, be sure and document those things somewhere in a OneNote, uh, kudos document, whatever you want to call it, especially during these challenging times where maybe there was a team shortage that can really help you out, as John said, as part of a promotion package. I would also say, go back and listen to the two episodes that Cody DeArkland did with us. Those were really good on how to show empathy to other people. If you have a good relationship with someone on your team, you may need to just give them the chance to unload and just listen yeah, and understand. Maybe they don't get back to you as fast as they used to, and maybe you're doing the same thing because you're all way busier. Mm -hmm. and we just need to understand Now remote that. too, right? Sometimes yeah. like the entire team went from, you know, in person to completely remote and that's, that's not the same. Yeah. So that was 85 episodes, 85 and 86 with Cody Darkland. Yeah. That was a uh, Cody D Arkland and he, um, he had, you know, just really great observations on, on empathy and listening to people. I think that was, you know, those were some great, great conversations about that. How about welcoming 
the new teammate once they're on board, John. Providing Definitely. a little bit of mentorship. Whether called out, expected or not, there's nothing wrong with taking that person under your wing and sharing some tribal knowledge, the way things work, making sure they feel like they're welcome as part of the team. Obviously, some of that's the manager's job, but if your teammates don't do something to help you feel welcome, it's a little bit harder for you as the new person to rah, 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 hey, I'm on the team. If nobody seems excited for you to be there, then (laughs) you're probably going to go, hmm, my manager's excited, but the team doesn't seem excited. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, So, and that's definitely something that, you know, you can do to, you know, just promote culture, right? All of us need to take ownership of culture on teams. And, you know, the, the team leader is leading, but, you know, if you want to provide leadership, you know, then that's something you can definitely do. And maybe you just became the team leader, even though it wasn't really a thing before. Yeah, that's an unofficial title anyway, right? I think... There's an interesting opportunity when new people come on to to find out what they can do, like what they're bringing, their background, like the strengths that they can bring and and help the team out with. What do you think about that? Absolutely. They're going to see things with a pair of fresh eyes, and they're not used to the way things are done within the organization, and they may have some questions. It doesn't mean that they're saying you're doing it wrong. But it may be a chance to evaluate whether what you're doing is the most efficient, most beneficial processes. It's nice. You know, we, we get used to the, the same thing because we've done it that way many times. And we don't always reflect on whether it should be done that way. Yeah. And somebody asking why and you having to search for the why is a good indication that your documentation you know, is kind of lacking or, or maybe, you know, the answer to why do we do it this way has been recorded somewhere. It's just not on, you know, not easily accessible. So that's still, I guess, a documentation problem. Right. But, you know, the, the way the team operates like day-to-day operations, you know, you kind of want to document that. And then you, you know, it's also in good documentation, you kind of want to have like a philosophy of execution, like, this is why we do things the way we're doing. We're trying to drive these values forward and we're trying to reach these objectives. And as a result, you know, we emphasize these things over these other things. You know, we do, you know, A before B and uh, C before D, you know, and, and that's that's all based on the philosophy. That right. And here's how our philosophy fits in with the organization's philosophy. Yeah. So that you understand what you're doing is important and valuable. Because if you miss that part, early on and nobody ever answers that for the new employee, they may feel like what they're doing isn't valuable to the company, which I think that's pretty common. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Let's uh, close out by kind of talking about keeping in touch with teammates who leave, whether that is a positive, negative or neutral um, move for them. Um, I think it's kind of important to keep that, you know, increase that network and maintain your network by um, having that line of communication between you and that teammate, you know, alive and open and continuing, 
right? Maybe you talk to them less because you're not in day-to-day contact, but, you know, schedule that, right? Put that on the schedule, put it on your calendar. Hey, you know, once a month or every other month, I'm going to reach out to the person and, or however often, you know, you feel is appropriate and just say, Hey, how's everything going? Tell me about the new gig. Tell me about what it is that's going on with you. Um, you know, just keep that line of communication open because you, you might be working together again someday. They might be, you know, your manager someday. You might need to manage that person. Maybe you're going to recommend them for a different gig. You know, all those things are possible. So you, you might need their help with something. And I would, I would say to your point, John, that's smart. Be proactive about keeping the, the bond strong mm-hmm. because they may need your help. You may, may need their help. And you don't want every time you contact them to be, hey, I need your help with X. Right, right. You, you want it to be more on the other side. It's like, what can I, what can I do to help you? Mm-hmm. What's going on? Yeah. I think that, you know, it's rough in these times to do that kind of thing, you know, during, you know, life during COVID because everything is remote, but then maybe it's a little bit easier too, right? Because you can just put on your calendar, schedule it and then do it just like any other kind of like executable task today. So, you know, there's pluses and minuses, but, you know, all in all, like, you know, curating your network um, and, and doing all of this stuff, right, is is just another series of tasks um, that you're scheduling for yourself as part of your career growth and and as part of something that you're trying to do to stretch stretch yourself and, and be a little bit better at what it is that you do, increase your scope and scale one more time. Right. Well, it sounds like, John, not only am I going to be on a short staff team, you just gave me extra homework for my career, too. (laughs) Well, I think it underlines all the things that we should be doing outside of our normal day to day, um, uh, you know, work related tasks. Right. Owning culture, um, taking ownership over morale, um, being empathetic to your manager and understanding what's going on with your manager's workload you know, pitching in to help and, and taking on, you know, additional things, you know, for the team and then keeping in touch with people. Like those are all things that are, don't appear on your job description probably, but things that you should own as part of your career growth, whether or not somebody has left the team. So it just underlines things that should be going on. And it's really just a change of context in, in how, in how these tasks are being applied. Yep. Look at all the things you do, regardless of the situation, and ask yourself, is there a way for me to achieve some career progression through this experience? Or how can I change what I'm doing to further my career? Yeah, yep, definitely. Well, Nick, uh, anything else before we get out of here? I think that's it. Just a reminder, we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey. All right. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at B Journeyman for Nick Cordy at Network Nerd underscore. Signing off. Adios. Adios.